Project A Podcast. Thank you for listening in and welcome everyone to another episode of the Project A Podcast. My name is Simon. As you might know, I'm Project A's Chief Brand Officer and I'm really happy that it's again my turn today to host our Founders Podcast. My guest today is Paul-Christian Brendörfer from Jung von Matt, most probably the most famous creative agency in Germany. If you are following Project A and our various channels, you might already know Paul-Christian as he held a very well-received talk at our Knowledge Conference last year, where he spoke about startup branding and why startups need to rethink customer acquisition. Today, more or less one year later, we would like to follow up on this and discuss together how startups and brands can successfully grow up the funnel. So, thank you very much, Paul Christian, for joining me and Project A again. It's really great having you. Thanks for having me, Simon. It's really great that we have this common topic and I'm super happy to talk about it today. Last year, when you held your talk on the, at this time, virtual stage of the Project A Knowledge Conference, you used to be strategy director at Jung von Matt. In the meantime, you became the strategic lead of Jung von Matt Start. As this unit is still relatively young, can you please tell us what Jung von Matt Start is and does, and maybe also what your role as a strategic lead entails? Yeah, sure. Happy to do so. Um, Yeah, I think Jungformat Start is basically our answers, um, our answer to to the needs uh, of startups, because uh, what we have been observing is that there are missing answers um, in the scene on on the needs of startups from from the side of agencies. So um, there are missed opportunities somehow. Um, I think this missing offer that we have seen in the market. Um, makes it difficult for, for both sides to come together um, in a good way. And um, I think it, yeah, it, it also um, it lowers the amount of how much is spoken about branding and marketing um, in the startup scene, um, because as long as um, startups work with freelancers and, and maybe smaller agencies, uh, there's not so much out there. Um, and I think our role is to build and establish uh, a new offer um, with Jungformat Start. So this is what I do with my co-founders and the focus uh, that we're putting on here is on, on early stage startups. So we want to help them with like small solutions regarding brand building and also smaller solutions regarding marketing, answering the question, what could be the first step um, when you grow up uh, the funnel? Um, and I think the challenges we're trying to master with this is that there's a general need for guidance because there's so little knowledge um, about branding and marketing in startups since in, especially in Germany, founder teams often lack of um, someone with explicit marketing expertise. Um, and through that, they have limited resources, not only on a financial side, but also like uh, on an experience side. Um, and beyond that, um, I think there's one more important thing because at Jung von Matt, it's not that we started like yesterday with, um, with working together with startups. Um, like our company has a long history starting from Zalando uh, where we worked together with startups, but it's a very volatile business as you maybe know much better um, than me. And I think that's also one important aspect. Um, that's, um, yeah, that's something we need to solve with Jungformat Start being so flexible ourselves um, that, that we can 
um, support that in the best way. Yeah. I wish you and the newly founded company or unit uh, a huge success and with most of the things you just said I couldn't agree more and uh, I think it's definitely a promising signal that Jung von Matt estimates startup to be a promising market segment and is building a unit with a unit which supports early stage startups in brand building. This somehow proves us right as this is exactly what Project A's brand and communication team started to do in the year 2020 for our portfolio companies. So when you think about your everyday work, as you just kind of started to describe it, where do you see the most significant challenges and maybe also the most common mistakes when startups start building and communicating their brands? It's a good question. I think the biggest challenge of all for startups is to actually start to actually start branding and to start it early and to, to find like um, the right timing um, and like th also the right amount. Um, and this goes along with, with getting realistic expectations because I think what we see is a, is a high, high contrast be between uh, we, we, we should wait with that and all right, now we want to start and now we want, um, we, we talk to creative agency and we have little um, we have little budget, but we want to do big, big films and we want to, to be always on and they don't see the hidden costs that, that come along with trying to do big projects or trying to do like high frequency of content because there's a lot of administration and, and a lot of things left and right that go along with it. Um, and like, yeah, beyond that or throughout all of that, I think the focus is the, mo is the hardest thing of all because um, on the one hand, you should test and learn, you should try out different smaller things and see what works and scale it. But on the other hand, like especially if you don't have the budget for, for bigger projects, trying to do many small things um, makes you lose focus and, and in the end um, it results in a lack of effectiveness. Okay, I, I couldn't agree more with the, with the main challenges you just mentioned that yeah, first and foremost, a question about timing. So when is the right moment to start building the brand, to invest maybe in brand communication? And of course, related to this question, what to do? And of course, we will uh, come back to these two uh, fundamental questions, I will say later on. Later on. But uh, first, I'd like to, to ask you something different. So, uh, of course, as you work for an agency, you are most probably at least a little bit biased. But still, according to your own experience, and now the, the last couple of months with Jung von Matt Start, what are the tasks regarding brand building in startups that should definitely be done internally, so in the startup, and which tasks are better outsourced to an agency like yours? What is your take on that? I think it's uh, really difficult to to give a single answer because it really depends. There are certain factors uh, who are important to make a decision here, which uh, such as the business category, the team structure, financials, and also the age. Um, but maybe let's start as early as possible. So if you say you have a team with maximum five people um, or sometimes beyond, I think it's hardly um, to do more in-house than maybe LinkedIn and, and a bit PR. Um, 
But then growing, I think it's important to, to combine in-house resources, agency, and maybe freelancers for specific topics. Um, and maybe you can, can divide here from between certain cases. So I think in-house, it's always good if you have something with a high frequency and with a low skill. So such as social media or doing sales material that's based on previous sales material. Um, I think agency, yeah, working with an agency is always good if you have high skill, but low to mid frequency, how often you need it. Um, and then if you have like recurring packages on a mid skill level and the mid frequency, I think there it can be um, very good to, to have um, a freelancer um, who, who can do like recurring packages always the same way. Um, so this also um, connects to what we are trying to consult and to solve with our model because our vision is that we really get in a position where we can support building such a model and individualizing it, um, support in building in-house capabilities, but also support to build processes that orchestrate these parties in the best way. Yeah, I think this makes sense. And uh, you initially said that the division between tasks that are better done in-house in the startup and tasks that are better outsourced, that also depends on, let's say, the market or the, on the business model, I think on the importance of marketing in general. But uh, how do you think, uh, how does this, you also said that it depends on the age of the startup. So how, what do you think? How does this division uh, change when a startup evolves? So uh, should this division of labor be different at an early stage startup compared to so-called scaled ups? So how does this division of tasks change when the startup becomes older? Yeah, I think it, it definitely should. Um, also, it's very much connected to the, to, to the factors I mentioned. Um, but I think the most difficult thing is actually, yeah, to, to find the right um, switches from, from one mode to, to the next one. So in my opinion, the most difficult thing is to find the right time and profile for a CMO or marketing lead or, or something similar. Because for incumbent, uh, for, for, for example, if you, uh, if you get someone from an incumbent category leader, um, I think that's that's super cool. You will you will bring a lot of um, industry experience, but you will also bring old structures in a new environment, um, and and maybe it's more difficult to to go new ways and and build more more modern processes, um, and also it's maybe too expensive. So if you are in a stage where someone like that is too expensive, on the other hand, you you could get young professionals that maybe made their career in a startup, but maybe experience like a more narrow part uh, of possibilities in, in, in branding marketing, which was connected to, to like the category where the person have, have learned it. So I think, yeah, finding the right hiring um, in the right um, phase of, of, your, um, of your evolution, that's the most difficult thing, I think. Um, and I think here, like the market in Germany is, is not so easy. So you, you have many people who come from established structures um, and, and then you have many people who, who made their career in, in startups like in a, in a def different area. Like you, you know it yourself the best way in Project A like five to six years ago doing branding and marketing in startup was a different thing. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's, that's 
you you have to come from from two sides here i think you have to to raise own talents and like find the right maturity of, of other talents to add along the way um and then watch out for general risk which is that you shouldn't build too extensive structures for too low budget um which would ma then makes also makes it also hard to to build like a slick agency corporations because you also have your pyramid on your own um and i think yeah that's a general need to individually adjust so so do, do do you agree that one could say at the at the very beginning in the early stage of a startup it makes sense to outsource a lot of tasks since you don't have the people nor the skills inside the startup so there it makes sense sense to work with agencies and to outsource these tasks then maybe a little bit later when the startup is growing when uh, the startup is hiring more and more people then maybe not at least to become a little bit more cost efficient it makes sense to insource some of these tasks and then maybe one step later when the startup really moves towards the upper end of the funnel when we speak about let's say advertising billboards tv campaigns or whatever yeah then as these are not tasks you do very frequently then maybe it makes sense to outsource these tasks again and to outsource a little bit more would you say that this let's say journey of a startup and how to deal with these tasks is something you experience in your daily business as well i think that's a, a pretty good wrap up yeah <laughs> okay then uh, maybe one one more question concerning the collaboration of startups on one side and uh, creative agencies on the other. So I remember about two years ago, you published together with your colleague Jonas, the Jung von Matt startup report. And in another episode of this podcast, it was early last year, I had the pleasure of speaking with Jonas about the report and the main outcomes of the report. And I remember that you and Jonas wrote in the report that there is a clash of cultures, you called it, between startups on one side and creative agencies on the other. So now, after having founded Jung von Matt Start, how do you deal with this newly built unit, this clash of cultures? So first of all, did the situation maybe change a little bit? So is this clash of cultures still as big as it used to be two years ago? Uh, or that, that did this change and uh, how do you deal with this clash of cultures or is it so is the relationship between startups and uh, agencies still a rather complicated one i think it's still somehow complicated um, so our view on this definitely evolved um, i think we, we we definitely found um, many people who who have like a similar view on on what we can on, on what we do and what we and, and how we want to support like for example you but also uh, we experience that there is is a rising awareness um, among VCs and and also slowly but steady um, in in startups what um, when it comes like to the importance of branding and marketing um, but I think like the cultural clash we talked about um, that's um, a bit more complicated so because like what i think one of our major learnings is that there is no homogeneous culture in the startup scene so sometimes there is a clash and sometimes not so much um, i think that not all startups are new work leaders like uh, yeah, like you see it on, on tv or, or hear it in podcasts and not all agencies are stuck in the past and we are the best example maybe trying to 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 go new ways and to to question ourselves um, 
but it's it's hard to find T-shaped talents who who really seek the new. So from 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 our perspective, so for us, it's I think we we would want to um, to renew ourselves faster than than we can can do right now because I think we're we're trying to gather um, a new kind of of marketing mindsets, uh, which um, is. It, it's good that we have have such a such a strong brand with Jung von Matt in, in order to to be visible with 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 what we're seeking for here. But um, on the other hand, it's 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 still hard. It would be even harder without that brand. Um, so yeah, I think there's a cultural still a cultural clash, and we would want to overcome it. And I think it's definitely possible. Um, and I hope um, with what we do right now, like starting with that report and, and other things uh, we do, I, I hope we can yeah, um, participate in a, in a bigger discussion throughout marketing and startup scene to, uh, to dec decrease this, this clash. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think there is not this one startup culture, not this one creative agency culture. I think each and every startup, as far as its culture is concerned, is different. And I also think that uh, agencies aren't all the same either. So, uh, but now you having founded this unit Jung von Matt Start, really focusing on startups. So do you see that there is a certain type of startups, maybe having a certain culture that reaches out to you and others do not? So would you say that the startups you at Jung von Matt are currently working with, do they all have more or less a similar or more or less the same or at least a similar culture? Because maybe you as Jung von Matt are attracting a certain type of startup or if you look at the startups you're currently working with, are there very different cultures, maybe also depending on their business model? Yeah, I think actually it, it is pretty different. I think what, what we see is that we maybe have a bit more B2C startups reaching out to us than it is representative um, for the whole scene, but it's still pretty, pretty mixed. And um, I think what we're experiencing until yet is that our brand is kind of top of the funnel because if you don't know much about agency business and you're searching for who you could ask, um, then in many cases you will find our name and you will maybe reach out and you will maybe be not so sure if we if Jung Format is maybe too big and in many cases we are happy to say, um, hey, good news, we, we have a certain offer um, for startups. Oh, I, I think this makes sense. So, and this is maybe also uh, one of the differences between Jung von Matt Start, so what you're doing and what are, we are doing here at Project A, because uh, yeah, really a big part of our current portfolio are B2B companies, where let's say usually brand is not ranking at the very top of the founder's priority list. But when you think of B2C or direct to consumer startups, they're of course brand plays another a more important role and then maybe these startups uh, they rather reach out to agencies as yours uh, than do it in-house so uh, yeah I'd like to come back uh, to what you s initially said that uh, one of the big challenges when it comes to startup branding is the timing so when do you start building the brand when do you start to really invest into 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 the brand and according to our own experience here at Project A, many startups avoid investing a big share of their marketing budget in brand communications 
until they reach the point where spending more money on performance marketing doesn't necessarily bring much more leads. I personally think that this is usually too late. So what is your take on that? At what stage should startups ideally start to grow up the funnel or start to build the brand and then growing up the funnel? Yeah, I think you're definitely right with this, that usually this is too late um, and or maybe sometimes too radical. Um, I think like um, especially coming from test and learn, so finding your performance marketing channels, uh, see what works, scale it and then stop adding new elements until you come to a point where you want to explore like all the other elements that are there. That's maybe a bit too radical. <clears throat> And I think um, it's, yeah, it's always hard to say what's the right point, but I think like roughly you could say as soon as startup invest in growth, they also should start thinking about um, the topic of branding, which doesn't necessarily mean that you immediately have to, to start measures uh, on that. But you should be in a position where you already have a foundation regarding your brand identity, uh, where you have something like, I think we, we both work with the concept of minimum viable brand um, and where this is already infused in what you do on a performance level. So it's then easier to grow up the funnel and, and find like smaller steps in, in, in evolving like the mix of what you do. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more because I also think that when you when you just start investing in your brand at, at the point of time where really performance marketing doesn't work anymore, I think it's too late because I think if you really, and you said it, if you build the minimal viable brand and then start to slowly move up the funnel with the brand, then you of course can only also compensate for this diminishing marginal effects of performance marketing. So I think we both agree that it's not either or, but that the two things are a combination and that you have to see the marketing funnel as holistically as possible. Absolutely. So, and then uh, what I uh, take of your answer that uh, we seem to agree too that in most cases it makes sense for startups to grow the marketing funnel bottom up. So you start with the marketing measures that are close to conversion and then step by step you move up the funnel. So what exactly or in your experience, uh, how, what exactly do you think that looks like? So what measures do you usually start with and what comes after? So if you could say, okay, first we do, you said we start with the minimal brand, then we define a, a distinctive brand identity and then what's next, what's next, what's next? Yes, so I think when you have this foundation, the most low hanging fruit is this old saying from, from the advertising business, build the brand while making the sales. So if you optimize messages, you optimize your asset design and your content, um, then you can ensure that, that um, even though you have pretty performance driven measures, that your brand is all already part of that and that it's recognizable and uh, that it's at least somehow differentiating. Um, and I think, yeah, th this, this applies a lot to somehow to, to a full funnel thinking of performance marketing, but also to all of your own channels. Um, and th then I think you can switch. Um, yeah, this this implies that you yeah that you switch from performance to full funnel. So maybe from things that don't have any visual appearance, like search marketing or something, to to something where you can at least 
um, give some visual identity um, into into your campaigns, um, and then you can start to yes simply be a, a little louder and a bit more memorable to to focus more on what's coming um, in in the upper funnel. So if you like, you can start with full funnel ban banner campaigns. Then you can add like smaller video animations on on the top of on the top of it. Um, then you can maybe start to do like a pool shooting, give your, give your brand a face, show people, show a more appealing version of how your product could look like and start to move it from still assets to motion assets to maybe events or PR things or like, yeah, go more broader through everything that uh, can be counted uh, to, to marketing measures. Um, and coming back to focus, ask yourself which touch point can you win? So there's a lot of possibilities what you can do. I think making simple performance marketing more appealing to full funnel, to, to, to video, to other touch points is one thing and then establishing touch points on your own which become important in your marketing mix um, but identifying the right ones and then maybe exceeding the standard um, compared to your competition. I think what you said is, is very important and a full funnel doesn't mean that you have to do everything but full funnel means that you have to choose carefully the touch points that makes most sense for your business and for your goals regardless a little bit of fact if they are rather lower funnel or upper funnel. But speaking a little bit about upper funnel measures, so I think both of us know that most founders, and I can tell you also investors, they strongly believe that only what can be measured can be managed. We know this, this famous saying. They always want to know the return on their investment. And we also know that when it comes to upper funnel measures, to branding, to advertising, we know that this measurement isn't that simple. So, and I personally think that this is one reason why many founders are still rather hesitant regarding brand marketing and brand communication and upper funnel measures in general. When asked about it, they often state that they prefer to invest their budget in the lower funnel because there they can achieve short-term revenues and directly measure their campaign's effectiveness. So what do we think? So, uh, do we have to improve the measurement of the effectiveness of upper funnel activities? And how can we improve the measurement of these activities? What do we have to take into account? Yeah, I think it's a question of, of smart measuring somehow. And it's also a question of this all Lesbinet Peter Field thing, the long and the short of it. I mean, like the lower funnel things have immediate impact, but the upper funnel things they build um, like a magnetic effect of your brand which pulls um, throughout building it. Um, so I think it's very important to, to get a good understanding of data very early and of the certain types of data. I think this already starts um, when you build your brand that it's already important to ask your audience to understand their mindset, their media, their drivers, their barriers. Um, and then see how you can not only grow up the funnel with your comps uh, and, and branding, but also grow up the funnel with your data strategy somehow. So I think there's a huge potential in start also tracking early and smart. Um, and um, then, yeah, building a framework, building actually some kind of media mix modeling where you can test and learn and also attribute 
um, while uh, through turning things on and turning them off and seeing the effect of it, um, which works then maybe mid-funnel um, already. Um, and then you can also try to start um, like tracking the quality of your cohorts and the net promoter score and stuff like that. So see if like um, the measures which have been at least a bit more upper funnel also maybe bring like better clients um, to to your um, to to your business, which um, also um, um, like recommend you more um, and. And then again, you have to start your audience even more. So first of all, it can be your own audience, making customer surveys and, and finding out how much the brand attributed um, like to their purchase decision or maybe also to like um, to to not to, uh, to, to loyalty. Um, and then after a certain time, you have to start asking the market because it's, uh, after like you, you reach like a certain scale, um, with your business, you need to do actual market research or in, in B2B, it may, uh, it's, it's also possible um, um, nowadays, maybe for, for less spending than it has been 10 years ago. Um, so, yeah, I think that's like the components of, of, of what, what I would see in, in terms of, of measurement and effectiveness and proof. Okay. You, you, you just mentioned this uh, famous book, The Long and the Short of It, with this 60-40 uh, rule if you do full funnel marketing. So, and when I speak to, to founders or CMOs within our portfolio, they often say, hey, of course, this rule is true, but only after you have a certain, let's say, budget. So there is a minimal budget you need to have in order to do so. Otherwise, the upper funnel activities won't pay off. So would you agree with this? And if so, what could be this minimum uh, budget you need to have in order to follow uh, the 60-40 rule? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this also connects to the customer journey, actually. I think the 60-40 rule, um, if, if you apply this like to the amount of contacts you get through your media, um, then in an earlier stage, you also get contacts um, through performance marketing, through the customer journey on your own channels where you maybe already have the potential to, to tell more extensive stories. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, that's maybe something that, that, that um, makes it a bit difficult to, to divide in an early stage be, be, be between pure paid um, reach and, and the combination of, of both. Um, yeah, but speaking of a minimum budget you should have, um, I think it should go into the direction of six digit um, before you can do the split mm -hmm. like paid media budget per year. Mm. No, I, I would say a six digit budget makes sense and I, I also agree with it not, it not only depends on the budget you have, you also need to have the stories to tell because investing a big part of your marketing budget in the upper funnel when you have nothing to tell doesn't make uh, any sense either. But speaking about measurement, and you also mentioned uh, market research and let's say brand tracking. So last year, you, Jung von Matt, uh, you published for the first time the German startup brand ranking together with the market research company Apinio. And if I remember correctly, AirUp uh, came in first, followed by Vivid, Gorillas and Trade Republic. 
So what were the reaction to the ranking? And do you think that this kind of rankings or this ranking help convince people of the importance of brand and brand marketing for startups? So do you think that this kind of rankings really contribute to, to a measurement of the upper funnel? I think they definitely, uh, the biggest benefit this had for us besides like, yeah, getting visibility for us um, and in, in, in combination um, with the topic of startup branding is um, that it helps to raise awareness. So the major benefit for us is definitely the buzz um, because the ranking is, it's a, it's a good vehicle. It's easy to understand and it, it makes it easy to like to remember the topic, to talk about it. Um, even though like it could always be more extensive and more detailed in, in what you're trying to measure and what you're analyzing. Um, so, yeah, and I think also because of that, the reactions were great, um, except for, for some, some brands that didn't make it into the <laughs> ranking, um, which, which is also, I mean, we have a huge startup scene in Germany. There are thousands of startups and like building the long list, um, it's, it's not like you have just to download uh, like at the uh, at the startup ministry uh, every startup so you have to to find it yourself so there ha have been a few um, who, who we forgot um, but we also did like this year we did a, a call for entries and and we're trying to get better here um, yeah so but maybe coming back again to like to the bus and raising awareness um, I think yeah it's it's very important that the topic gets faces and voices who spread it and like also with this the ranking was was nice because everyone who uh, who did a good uh, good rank uh, was also interested in in talking about it and uh, you mentioned air up um, i think lena jungs is maybe also a best case not only for a company who started branding early but also with her role as as the evangelist um, of the company like being not only a personality brand like it's a founder um, usually but like her her main one of her main um, um, roles in in the in the company is to be the evangelist to to tell the story of the brand to give it a face and also to talk about the topics that they are um, putting more attention on than other startups do and by that i i hope we can can contribute uh, we could have we, we have contributed last year and will do so in the future with um, with measures uh, like this okay. yeah I think you're right don't trust the ranking if you don't come in first so. yeah <laughs> but uh, speaking about the future do you actually plan to do this ranking again this year so will there be a German startup ranking 2022 uh, it will be. So as we are recording this, um, the final results are, are in the layout. Um, so when this episode comes out, it will be already published. Um, we're a little more late than last year, which is because um, as maybe every one of us recognized as um, the market has been much more volatile than um, the years before. And I think especially the war in U Ukraine besides other topics um, is something that uh, that pretty much changed people's um, thinking about brands in general so like we we did like two flights um, this year and in the first one we could see a very strong positive systematic effect on all on all brands like on on established brands which we are um, um, using for for the benchmark um, as well as on startup brands um, so we decided um, to to do another wave in October 
um, which normalized somehow as much as we can describe it. And also we talked to other experts and other research institutes uh, to, to validate what we had, the, the effect we've, we've seen here. Um, and I think that, yeah, now we have, we have um, interesting results which we are releasing right now. And we will also start to, um, to measure in, like in a smaller frequency in order to, to see uh, developments um, in the future and to be able to, um, yeah, to, to, to find more yeah, broader and be better informed overall insights. Oh, that's great. I'm really, really looking forward to it. And of course, I'm curious uh, which startup will come in first this year. Uh, you, all, you just mentioned it, that uh, the market changed. So unfortunately, especially unlike last year, when you gave your talk at the Project A Knowledge Conference, we have reached a phase of, let's call it, post-hyper-competition. So we are currently experiencing a recession again, a situation that we haven't had for a long time. And uh, by the way, for many people in the startup scene, this is the first recession ever they are experiencing. So inflation seems to keep rising, money is getting more expensive again, and the startup valuations that we know from last year seem to be over, at least for, for the time being. So instead, many startups, at least in our portfolio, but I think overall, are concerned with stretching the runway and providing or proving, sorry, that they can be profitable and grow efficiently. So how does all this change your and my job? So what do you think? What are the implications of the current, let's call it macroeconomic climate on startup branding? Yeah, I think it, it differs a bit among like the certain service, service fields. I think branding itself is not so much affected, but comps and marketing definitely are. Um, and I think what, yeah, what, what you just mentioned that the focus is on extending the runway and getting more profitable, that is a change in business strategies, which also uh, results in a change in marketing strategies. And um, that means you, yeah, you need different solutions and maybe in, you also need, uh, there's a lower frequency, how often you need an agency from, like, from my perspective then. Um, and um, yeah, what you said, like the post hyper competition, it also means um, that there needs to, there still needs to be some growth. I mean, sure, there, there won't be national out of home in year one, like we've seen it with Flink and Gorillas, like, um, which is far beyond what a few years ago was possible for, for early stage startups. But it doesn't necessarily have to be at that stage in order to be a healthy environment from, from a brand and marketing perspective. Um, but I think when money seeks for better companies, because there is, there are, you, you, you by yourself released a big fund this year. Um, I think agencies like us should also find better clients. So um, I think there's maybe less risk for us um, to, to invest at least time, if it's not money, um, into companies um, that, um, that have maybe an average better chance of, of succeeding or reaching like an, a later stage. Um, so I think out of that, there is a potential to build more long-term rela relationships and participate more in, in success stories where, um, yeah, where we can say that we contributed to, to where this came, came out 
um, maybe hopefully in a few years. Um, and I think there's an even stronger shift to B2B. We also talked about it um, because, and through that also towards more innovation because I think a lot of B2C companies we, we've seen grow in the last year had rather little innovation. Um, but like this huge innovation, like we see it in, in health, in education, in decarbonization, it also has great topics which bring great stories and all which are also pretty interesting jobs to do. Yes, I, I think you're right. So you need a, a compelling brand positioning and ideally a distinctive brand identity regardless of the microeconomic climate. So this you need. But we too here at Project A, of course, we, we fully understand if uh, companies or startups have to cut their budget, it makes maybe most sense to invest a smaller budget uh, to touch points that are closer to the conversion, especially when you're about to, to prove that you can be profitable. Nevertheless, on the other side, if you are in the lucky situation that you have enough money as a startup, maybe this would be the ideal time to move upwards the funnel because and invest now in really in brand communication and in upper funnel activities because as we all know uh, buying share of voice is never cheaper than in a recession yeah <laughs> and uh, but you uh, at not only at project and uh, sorry not only at jung von matt start maybe in general at jung von matt do you experience this currently so are is is share of voice cheaper than it used to be last year and are there a lot of companies maybe also startups that really take advantage of this and now invest more money in the upper funnel that they used to do last year because it's becoming cheaper we've seen this two and a half years ago um, at the first lockdown mm -hmm. there was um, like really a strong decrease in media budgets um, uh, huge companies have been super careful in how they allocate money um, and that, like, that was the great opportunity, but it was also like a great risk because um, if you didn't talk about let's stand together all, um, then uh, it was maybe the wrong, wrong topic at that time. Um, so, but but right now, I think the effects are rather low, like lower than you would expect mm -hmm. um, from 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 what you just mentioned. So I think it's. It's still quite okay, so it, it could be pretty much different in three to six months, but right now it's it, it's still at a quite high level. So this is what I also experienced that a lot of uh, startups or also other companies they are still waiting a little bit in order to decide how to then uh, allocate their marketing budget next year and to divide it between upper and lower funds. So, thank you very much, Paul Christian, for having been my guest today on the Project A podcast. Thank you very much for the talk and thank you out there for listening in. Thanks for having me. It was a real pleasure. I hope you liked today's episode. If so, please subscribe to the Project A podcast. More or less every week we get into the founder's shoes and speak about the things that really matter when starting and scaling up a venture. We hope you enjoyed our podcast. If you did, how about you subscribe on Spotify and or iTunes and give us a rating. Thanks, guys.